Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, yo. Welcome to Stargazing, a show about the figures and influencers surround the superstars in NBA culture. I'm Yovan Buha, NBA reporter at The Athletic, and joining us now is Aaron Larsoul. Aaron is a podcaster for the Lakers and the creator of All Access Lakers. He's formerly a producer for KNBR and Fox Sports Radio. He's also worked for the Trailblazers, first in stats and then in basketball operations. He's in Genie Bus's inner circle, which we'll get into. Aaron, thank you for doing this. How are you doing today? Uh, better than I deserve, brother. How are you? Thank you for having me. But was that an was that an accurate bio? Because I, I know you do a lot of things. Yeah, you know, so people ask me what I do, and my answer is always, and you might be too young for this also, but what I always say is, do you remember the show Martin? The, the sitcom Martin? Do you know who that I, is? I've, I've seen it. I, I, I wasn't watching it in its heyday, but I, I've seen it. Well, before. yeah, because you're too young. You're a baby. <laughs> Uh, but for people my age or similar to my age, they get the reference. And what I always say is I'm Tommy. And Tommy is one of Martin's on the show. He's one of Martin's best friends. Mm-hmm. And everybody assumes that he doesn't actually have a job because no one actually knows what he does. Mm-hmm. So I'm Tommy. That's what I say. Yes, there's a lot of hats and a lot of things, but I'm Tommy. Let's start with this because this is my my favorite question to to kind of pick your brain with. How and when did you fall in love with basketball? So, you know, actually, um, baseball was my first love. Um, I grew up in San Francisco and baseball was my first love. I played baseball more than basketball growing up. Um, but when did I fall in love with basketball? I was probably, you know what? I'll, I'll give you a definitive moment and maybe it was before this or maybe it was after this, but I was nine years old. I think it was. And, uh, I, I said, I grew up in, in San Francisco. So on mother's day, uh, in 87, when I was nine years old, my gym teacher last minute gave me tickets to uh, to a playoff game, to a Warriors playoff game. They happened to be playing the Lakers, and it was the Sleepy Floyd game. Uh, the Warriors ended up, excuse me, the Lakers ended up winning the series. I think it was a five-game series, and I think it was 3-1, or maybe it was a seven-game series, and they won 4-1. But the one game the Warriors won was the Sleepy Floyd game, where he had, which is still a playoff record, he had 29 points in the fourth quarter um and it's against them you know the magic and and michael cooper etc lakers so let's say that that's the day i fell in love with basketball but i mean to be fair it's probably i mean i I fell in love with basketball as soon as i could start watching it but that seems like a good specific day to say i fell in love with basketball and a bit of foreshadowing there because you are a warriors fan despite wearing this lakers shirt right now and working for the organization yes i see you at every home game yes uh you're you're you know you, you know everybody yes uh you're on the floor mm-hmm. around the team mm-hmm. uh but you grew up a warriors fan so can, can you explain the dichotomy there between the warriors and the lakers and and your ties to both so 
and you probably know this. I don't know who you grew up a fan of, but when you work in basketball, whether it's for a team, whether it's media, your fandom kind of dissipates, right? It has to. Yeah. Um, but the truth of the matter is I grew up a huge Warriors fan and um, I watched a lot of 25 and 57 Warriors team. The Warriors were the joke of the NBA, right? When I was growing up, the joke of the NBA was the Warriors and the Clippers. I grew up, I mean, it's plain, plainly, I grew up a Warriors fan. I like, it's true. But that kind of dissipates when you work in the league or when you, you know, when you, in media or for a team. So when I worked for the Blazers, it didn't dissipate. I was just plainly a Warriors fan. Now it's, I root for the Warriors when it doesn't harm the Lakers, right? It's like, it has to be outside of the Lakers, but outside of the Lakers, I do root for the Warriors. I follow the Warriors most closely other than the Lakers. And I root for the the Warriors when it's not, when it doesn't have anything to do with the Lakers. I used to travel with the Lakers. It was fun to go home to San Francisco and be able to go to games, which is okay. It's fine. But when the Warriors are here, I hate it, right? I just get a pit in my stomach. I don't like it. I don't want to be there. I didn't go when the, when the Lakers beat the Warriors in the, the play-in game a couple of years back. I just didn't go. There's no split allegiances. It's the Lakers are first, but... Like your heart is your heart and you grow up how you grow up. And I grew up rooting for the Warriors. So outside of the Lakers, I still root for the Warriors. So if and I'm La- not I'm not one of these Warriors fans that, you know, no, I believe it you. was cute. Right. And it became, it became Look, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned 87. I I bet there's a lot of yeah, Warriors, right. Warriors fans that don't even know right. who Sleepy Floyd is. Right. But it's 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 always Lakers first. Um, But a piece of my heart is with the Warriors, to be to be clear. And. One of the ways, I mean, look, it's the the worst kept secret that I root for the Warriors outside of the Lakers. It's the worst kept secret in, in Laker land. But when I traveled, one of the ways in which I was able to hide my Warriors fandom is I sat on the plane across from Michael Thompson. So he and I are in the back row um, on the aisle. It's two. The whole plane is two by two. So on the aisle, uh, I was on the aisle in the back row. If you're facing the back to the right, I'm in the I'm on the seat in the aisle. And he's to the left. I would just hang out with him and watch Warriors games, right? Because he's he's hanging out. I'm just watching Clay, right? I'm, I'm Michael's watching Clay. I'm just hanging out with Michael watching Clay. Um, but I used to, yeah, I would watch Warriors games with him because outside of the Lakers, I care, right? And that piece of my fandom has not gone completely away yet. Um, as I said, when I was in Portland, I was just plainly a Warriors fan. In fact, in... Oh, the We Believe team in 2007, though the Warriors for the first time in 14 years, 13 or 14 years, made the playoffs. And they made the playoffs on the last. They got the eight seed, the team that beat uh, Dirk and the Mavs, mm-hmm. the one seed. Dirk was the MVP. Iconic. Uh, Iconic team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The We Believe team. So Captain Jack and Baron Davis and Monte Ellis and, you know, those guys. Uh, and Al Harrington, Al Buckets. So the I was working for the Blazers at the time. The last game of the regular season, the Warriors clinched the eight seed. Haven't been to the playoffs since 93 or 94. And I went in the Warriors. I took my credential, my Blazers credential, and went in the Warriors locker room and like had Mikhail Petrus spraying champagne on me because I, I that, like that, I that's cared. a name drop right there. Yeah. Mikhail Petrus. Yeah. I, 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 I cared. Um, now it's harder and now, and it's not harder. Now some of that has, has dissipated, but when it doesn't affect the Lakers, I still root for the Warriors. So let, let's talk about your career. How did your mom bully you into an internship? <laughs> so 
um, I pretended to to come to UCLA, and I was here for a while, and okay, I recognize. I, I, I got to stop you right there. How okay. do you pretend to go to UCLA? You just walking around campus with like a UCLA sweatshirt on, or what? Basically, what's going on I just didn't. I didn't like. Um, I didn't like school, okay. and I Fair. thought I was smarter than everybody else, including my professors. Um, so I just wouldn't do it. Maybe okay. I was. I wouldn't. I would not. I would not suggest this path for anybody else. But stay in I school, would, kids. Stay in school, kids. I would. Um, I would schedule classes um, in the afternoon. And then I would walk by, I would bring, I would happen to bring all my stuff and I would walk by the, uh, the gym, uh, the wooden center at UCLA. And I'd be like, oh, wait, the pickup, the best pickup games are now. And the pickup games at UCLA are legendary. I'd be like, the best pickup games are now. So maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go hoop. Let me just go look and see if anybody's playing. Of course they were. And I always had my stuff with me. I wasn't any good at basketball. We decided I wasn't going to make any money playing basketball. And so I wanted to be, I thought about being an agent, hated school, was burnt out, went home back to San Francisco. And my mom said, you're getting an internship. And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, yes, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, yes, you are. You start Monday. So my mom, our neighbor in San Francisco worked at KMBR and got me a promotions and marketing internship, which are the people that, you know, like give out keychains and bumper stickers at, at games. Warriors games, uh, San Francisco Giants games, etc. Um, so I did that for a little bit and then kind of fell into, and we can talk about it if you want, but kind of fell into producing a show. It was just pure like luck, basically. Fell into producing a show, did that for a while and was all of a sudden an executive producer after I'd been there like two months, three months. Didn't know what I was doing, did it anyway kind of got burnt out and had, had was all of a sudden an executive producer, the highest, you know, title, unless you, you're going to be on air, which I didn't have any aspirations to do at the time. I was already an executive producer and I didn't know what I was going to do next. And so I said, and I think I made $10 an hour in those days. This is like 2000, right? I'm making $10 an hour uh, living in San Francisco with another buddy of mine who's now at, at CBS uh, HQ. We lived together in San Francisco and our rent was... We had a two bedroom, two bath place, and our rent was like twenty one hundred dollars. And this is in wow. two thousand, I think it was. And I was making ten dollars. So that's an hour. like, yeah, it's like the six grand now or whatever. So I would give him an envelope. He it was he uh, he had the place, and I rented it from him or I subletted it from him. And so every month I would give him an envelope with a thousand and fifty dollars in cash, right, to pay the rent, which left me like four dollars for the rest of the month. Luckily, it was in San Francisco, and mom lived you know, like two miles. So we would both always just go to the house and go eat um, and do laundry and all of that. So mom bullied me into getting an internship. I was, I kind of got burnt out. I came back to LA for a minute um, and then just didn't want to do sports anymore. And the, and the girl I was, uh, the girl I was with at the time was from Portland, Oregon, or is from Portland, Oregon, I guess. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I make it sound like she's not around anymore. I don't know, but I would assume she is. Um, and she was wanting to go home. She was from a suburb called Tualatin, Oregon, which is a little south of Portland, which happens to be where the Blazers facility is. And so I went there. Her mom is in real estate. So I went there to go be done with sports and go um, go do some real estate. Um, so I, in 2002, maybe it was, I moved up to, to Portland, Oregon to be out of sports to do real estate. And that's how the, was that? Portland's terrible. I hate okay. Portland. 
I hate Portland. Obviously, you've been, you know, covering the Lakers. You've been, I've, you've been to Portland. I like, I like, I like visiting it. I, I don't know if I can mm-hmm. live there, but I, I like coffee. I like mm-hmm. burgers and mm-hmm. I like beer, and I feel like they excel in all three of those categories. So that's fair. As far as like a few days, I, I, I like it. The have weather, of course, to, for me. Have you ever been to Huber's there? No. Uh, so Huber's is, I believe, I mean, it's definitely the oldest bar in Portland. I think it might be the oldest bar on the West Coast, but they have incredible Spanish coffees. They do it at the table and okay. light it on fire in front of you. And That's dope. Um, I'll check it out next yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I moved to Portland having nothing to do with sports. Um, I don't want to be a part of it at all. And to do some real estate and through that, randomly through through real estate meet mike barrett who was the tv voice of of the blazers isn't anymore um but mike and mike did did the show for our did blazer games for a while uh mike had done it with steve snapper jones r.i.p before that yeah so he says uh so he and i become friends mike barrett and i become friends and he says and maybe after a year or two he says you know like I, i he knew my background and knew I knew the game and he says why don't you come why don't you come work with me and I say no 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 I'm like just putting it off because I'm burnt out right I don't want to do it anymore so I put it off and finally he says look just come do stats with me you'll get a seat to every game every home game you know sit at the scorers table they'll pay you 250 bucks what you notice just like give me notes and I can say it on the air I say no and he says he's on my head about it for a while and finally I agree to just go show up at games and like give him notes about what I see. So that was my, that was, that, that was my first, like my entry into, uh, into, into the world of the Blazers. I loved, I loved the team. I loved working for the team, which we can get into, but I hated the city. So if your, your initial question was, how was that? I was miserable because I hated Portland. So you, you like going to work, but you didn't like, you like, you know, you, you hated all your time outside of work. Is that fair? Yeah. So I, I tend towards uh, darkness, like in my mood, right? Um, outside, uh, like on the outside, it's everybody's, you know, right? I'm everybody's favorite and it looks like I'm always having fun and that's true, but I tend towards darkness. Um, and so the weather in Portland, the gray and the rain and the gloominess, like just didn't do great things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I missed my family. I missed my like real true friends. Um I, I knew everybody and I made a bunch of friends, but it was also um, my ex-wife now was from there. So it was kind of like her circle that I became friends with. Um, yeah, so it was hard. I, I It was hard. I did make some friends that are still some of my closest friends to the, well, one of my still closest friends to this day, but it was, it was hard. I didn't, I did not enjoy it. I loved working for the team. Um, I loved basketball. I loved going to games, but it was, the city just didn't, the city was not good for me, right? The gloominess, the darkness, um, the, how am I going to put this? Lack of diversity. Uh, you know, there was nobody there that looked like me. If you, if you consider Portland a major city, it's the whitest major city in the country. And I just, that, that it didn't do good things for me. So I did not enjoy it, but I did. I loved working for the team. Ben, how do you parlay doing stats into working for basketball ops, because I, I think that's a path that a lot of people would want to take. And, and that's kind of like yeah. almost one of those rare stories you hear of, of someone working their way up, getting a big break. Like, you know, that, that's not the easiest thing to do. So no. what, what, what went into that and kind of what, what did you learn about that process? 
luck. Honestly, it's luck. Luck and timing. And people ask me about, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but people ask me about the Lakers thing. And it's sim- it's a similar story. It's luck and timing. Yes, I'm good at it, right? Or at least competent. But the only way you get to show that you're competent or good is from the people. So basketball, people don't, fans don't really understand this or don't understand it at a, at a core level. Basketball is a people business, just like everything else. Like what matters is the people. I was down on the floor doing TV every game, and I just happened to start meeting people, players, you know, executives, whoever, whoever was down on the floor before the game, they started to get to know me and I would say hi to them. We would be have events or parties at people's house that I would go to and would meet people. It actually, it started, uh, Kevin Pritchard was the GM at the time. He's the president in um, Indiana now for the, for the Pacers and who I am probably still closest with and became very close with is Chad Buchanan, who's now the GM in Indiana. He was the, the director of college scouting for the Blazers at the time Um, became that he was the interim GM twice. And he and I became very close after we do air quotes. Cause I, I I hate we for like, I'm not playing. So I hate we, so for the Lakers, I don't say we, like I say we traveled, right. Cause I'm, if I'm traveling, like I didn't went on those trips. But as far as like the team itself, it just feels weird to me to say we because I don't play. But um, after we, as as the Blazers drafted Greg Oden, and he had some uh, challenges, he had some he had a difficult time, right? He yeah. missed his entire his whole first year, and he was struggling. And he and Greg and I became friends. And Chad just kind of asked me to just kind of keep an eye on him and help him however I could. So I did that, and then that turned into, can you help me with these other projects? Can you go go home, go back to Cal and scout Damian Lillard, like that kind of stuff. So it just like it just grew from that. Um, and then do you know, you know, the site cleaning the glass? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Ben yeah. Falk, uh, Ben Falk created that while I was with the Blazers. He he was brought in by the Blazers. He was an intern like while he was I think he Maryland is where he he graduated from. But while he was still in school, he he came and interned for the Blazers and then worked for the Blazers. We called him Wiz because he, he like the analytics you see now, the second spectrum stuff and all the analytics you see now, all the, the play tracking, he was doing that. Like he built a database to do that in 2008 or 2009. So early. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. So I worked on that for a while kind of with him. That's not fair. He did it. And I was one of the people that helped track him. And it was like a lot of self-scouting stuff that was proprietary and hadn't been done before. So I did that. And, you know, it was kind of just whatever needs doing. But the the real answer is, how did I do it? I couldn't tell you. It's the like, I just met people. It was the relationships. And I got a chance because of those relationships and because of luck and timing. You also put in the work, you know, I I think don't, don't sell yourself short. Like, I think you you took on stuff that wasn't your responsibility and you kept adding stuff to your plate. And I, I think that ultimately led to the role that, you know, you, you got now to your situation with the Lakers, but how do you go from Portland back to LA sort of how, how that all ends up playing out? And then how do you meet Jeannie bus? So this is 2012, excuse me, 2000, late 2012. Um, uh, so it's like eight games into so November, eight games into Dame's first season with the Blazers. Um, my marriage is falling apart. Um, and I decided I need to leave. I hate Portland. It's not doing good things for me. I love working for the team, but I hate the city. 
and my marriage is falling apart and it's just bad. So I'm talking to my mom and my mom says, come home, uh, San Francisco. So I just say, this is bad. I need to get away from this. So I go home. I go to San Francisco. I'm 35 years old, I think. And I go home. Um, I tell everybody with the team that I need to get away from this. I need to just be gone. I don't know what this is going to mean, but I need to leave. So I go home um, November 12th or 13th or something of, of 2012. I think it's eight games into Dame's rookie season. And I leave and I just go home. Not really with a plan of what it's going to be, but just I need to change this. So I go home. Um, I end up getting divorced. Um and I always felt San Francisco is home to me and San Francisco will always be home. But L.A. has always felt like home more to me. Um, and my brother's here and my two closest friends are already in L.A. So I don't know what I'm doing. And I start life over at 35, I think I was, which like as a man, that's a difficult thing, right? That's like yeah. I left my house. I had condos that I owned, was renting. I leave the Blazers, all of it. And I'm just starting life over. And I moved back home and I moved back in with mom. And that's like, that's not great for your ego as a, as a 35 year old man. But I knew I wanted to be in LA. So I would go, but I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. So I would go back and forth um, between San Francisco and LA because I wanted to be in LA. So I would come down here for a week or two, uh, stay with my brother um, and then go back home. Cause I didn't want to wear out my welcome. And Again, randomly, like one of my boys is at Fox Sports Radio. He's working at Fox Sports Radio. The dude that basically got me the job at KMBR in 2000 or 2001. And I come visit him. He says, come to the studio. I say what's up to him because I haven't seen him in a while. He's taking me around. I think I'm doing like a tour of his office, just saying hi to people. It's going back and forth between San Francisco and L.A. And like two weeks later, I get a call from a number I don't recognize. Um answer it, which I don't also don't advise doing and I don't do anymore <laughs> and get offered a job at, at Fox Sports Radio. He had been taking me around, introducing me to people, Sammy, uh, Sam Butesh, shout out Sammy. He'd been taking me around like, and I'm interviewing basically and didn't know it at the time. He's gassing me up to everybody. So he, he, they said, do you want to come back to LA? I said, yeah. So um, I did that, came back to LA and through that, produced a bunch of shows for a handful of years and met Jay Moore um, and produced his show for a little bit. Didn't want to do it. Was told that I didn't have a choice. I said, no, they said, yes. I said, no, they said, yes. They said, you're going to, I said, I'm not because it started with me doing some other weekend stuff. Also, I said, I will not. And they said, you will. And I said, I will not. And they said, you will. And we'll give you $10,000. And I said, I will. <laughs> Uh, it's always so, a price. <laughs> yes. So uh, I start producing uh, Jay's show. Um, and then he and I became very close um, through that. So I always say, like, when you're producing, I think it's important to be friendly with the talent, whoever you're producing, but not friends with. And I broke my own rule. Um, and he and I became very close. Um, and then he got a job doing uh, a Rams the, the the year the so 2016 I think it was when the Rams came back to LA he got a job doing or not a job he got a show on TV on ABC doing the uh, Rams like a variety show for the Rams and 
he just said like, Hey, do you want to produce this? And I said, sure. Like I've never produced TV before, but sure. <laughs> like, let's get it. Um, and he brought me on. I didn't have to interview. I didn't do anything again. It's like luck and the people. So I, uh, I went and did the Ram show. I produced the Ram show, uh, with him or for him, I guess for, uh, that season or actually we got fired like nine games into the nine, 10 games in, but uh so i produced that and and through that is how i met genie and then you want that story yeah the quick version uh so jay had a podcast um called more stories i don't know if he still does it um where he would just interview people that he found interesting other comedians actors athletes celebrities i think he had like a spy that had defected from iraq or something he just whoever (laughs) he found interesting called more stories and he had genie on and they met doing that and became friends. And so uh, one day we're, we're on a Saturday night. This is when we did the show, uh, the ABC show. So on a Saturday night, he says, hey, we got to do rehearsal. Will you mind getting grabbing somebody and like getting them through security? I say, sure. Like, yeah, I got you. I go out to security, let this person on. This is the car it's going to be. They pull up. I don't know who's popping out. And a genie pops out of the car. Meet her, say hi, bring her in. And Jay and I had a dressing room. There was a live like audience for the show. Jay and I had a green room dressing room. So she came, went up to hang out uh, in the green room. I say hi. I, I first meet her. The next week, uh, she comes back to the show again. And uh, my mom is in town. So my mom, uh, my mom, I bring, I'm showing my mom around the studio, bring her up to meet Jeannie or just to like show her a green room. Mom, this is Jeannie. Jeannie, this is mom. My mom says, uh, Hi, Jeannie. Nice to meet you. And my mom's a huge basketball fan, a huge sports fan, huge basketball fan. So probably knows who Jeannie is if you said the name, but not by face. They meet. Hey, mom, this is Jeannie. Jeannie is my mom. Uh, And Jeannie says, uh, oh, nice to meet you. My mom says, oh, what do you do? And she says, to Jeannie's credit, and Jeannie is, Jeannie and my mother, like when they met, they're the two greatest humans I've ever met. They're the two best human beings I've ever met in my life. And Jeannie says, I work with the Lakers. They start talking. My mom's a big basketball fan. They start talking. Something about Kobe comes up. And my mom says, I'll never forget this. My mom says, oh, we don't like the Lakers or and Kobe because we're huge Warriors fans. I go, mom, will you, sh- are, can we curse? on? Are, do we yeah, curse on this yeah. show? You can curse. I go, mom, will you shut the fuck up? I'm like under my breath. Shut up, mom, shut the fuck up. So we do that. They have that interaction. And then, uh, so that's on a Saturday night. Tuesday, I'm sitting in my office at Fox and Jeannie texts me. Hi, Aaron. I hope it's okay. I got your number from Jay. I wanted to see if you wanted to come to the game Friday. Uh, Yes, <laughs> sure. Right. We do that whole thing. It was because, oh, and say hi to your mom for me. So I text my mom. Hi, I, my I mom, think your mom's Jeannie. the key to all of this. That, she is. She's unlocked it. Yes. <laughs> but the reason why Jeannie invited me um, on that Friday, you know, a few days later was because the Lakers were playing the Warriors and she remembered, right? That's and this cool. is the woman that owns <laughs> owns the Lakers and remembers some dude that she just she met was a Warriors fan because his mom ran her mouth and said, you know what? Like, I think he would, this would mean something to him. So uh, this is, yeah, probably in, I don't know, November or something, December of 2016. Um, my brother and I go to a, go to the Lakers game. Because Jeannie invited me. She and I have become very close to that. She kept inviting me every once in a while. And I kept going. And then um, Jay and I started 
the podcast, the official Lakers podcast, um, which I have kept doing through a few other co-hosts. It's on hiatus currently. I think we're going to bring it back for next season. But Jeannie kept inviting me and I kept saying yes is really the story. And then now you see me every game, I guess. I, I, I travel. I traveled with the team LeBron's first year, did the podcast from the road. But that's again, like, am I good at it? Maybe. I hope so. But I got lucky. I got a chance and I got lucky. The 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 reason I got a chance was the relationships, the timing, and just like good fortune. And again, that's why I tell people it's a it's a it's a people business. Every business is a people business. What well, what was it like uh flying on the team plane? So it's really cool. Um it's very cool and it is a very closed environment. And uh the bus and the plane are are very like closed environments. Um and when I first started doing it, it's it's a group of people that have been doing this together, you know, 50 or 60 people that have been doing this together for however many years. And so you feel like you feel like an outsider, right? And you feel like people are looking at you funny, like, who is this dude? What the fuck is he doing here? And I felt like that too a little bit at first. But like shout out, let's shout out John Ireland, because he was the probably the first person. Um, that made me feel like I belonged, like I was part of the group before I actually was part of the group. And people think it's very glamorous, uh, the hotels and 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 the bus and the plane. And I would say, and fun, and I would say it's more cool than it is fun. It is really cool. But it's, it, and it's some of it's fun, right? Going to get to see flying, you don't have to go to the airport. We kind of just like drop your bag somewhere and walk on a plane and it's a chartered and it is, it's cool. Um, but all those, I think we flew 55,000 miles in like five months and that's hard, right? You wake up and, and you do this, right? And mm-hmm. you, as a, as a beat guy, it's much worse for you. I have respect for you guys because there are times where I'm just like worn the fuck out. I like, I, you wake up, I don't know what city I'm in. I don't know what day it is. And I don't have to fly or didn't have to fly uh commercial. So I don't know how you guys do it because those miles count, right? We have it as easy as you could possibly have it but those miles still count. So it's very cool, but it's hard, right? It's hard on your life. It's hard on the people you care about. It's hard on your body. It's it's difficult, but it is very cool. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm. Now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton 
is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I guess, is it from the podcast that you're at every game? Was that the kind of connection? Obviously, you mentioned becoming closer with Jeannie and Jeannie and, and Jay yeah. are, are engaged now. and They are. Um, but you know, since I've been you know, covering the team, this is my third mm-hmm. season on the beat. Uh, you, you've been at every game. You know, it, it's funny because my, my first impression, I don't even think I've told you this. Like, no, no, no. But I like this. Uh, my first impression of you is just like, who who is this guy? Like, he, he's just walking. Dude? Yeah. Like, yeah. he's just walking around like he owns the place and like mm. he's sitting in, in Genie's section and he knows all the beat writers, but I don't know him yet. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I see you're given like Trudell sneakers and uh, different stuff. And I'm just like, who who is this guy? Uh, but yeah, then I got like, so I kind of had a perception of you and and then I got to know you Yeah, and you were totally different than the perception that the outward perception I I had. Yeah. Um, but I guess like what, what, like walk us through a, a typical, um, game night for you (laughs) (laughs) from what you can remember. Um, (laughs) How, uh, how, how, how big is your reach here on this show? I don't do a. I was going to say, is my mom going to listen to this? Um, <clears throat> are any of my guests, my game day <laughs> guests going to listen to this? So um, I usually pull up uh, two hours before the game um, and go to what is now called the patio. There's been different rooms, um, but it's called the patio. It's possible I have a guest with me. Um, and honestly, that's the best part of all of this. I'm like, we're joking about this saying a guest to be able to give people this experience um, to come to games. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a ring, uh, a championship ring to be able to share that with people like different fans that are around kids to be able to bring them down and take pictures at the, all that kind of stuff. Like whatever, the, all the access that I'm fortunate enough to have is what fuels me for all of this, to be honest with you. Um, I know that people have the perception of me that you feel like, you know, before you actually met me, but my life is lived for other people. Um, and I believe that that is the right way to live. And so to be able to share this experience with people is it's, it's cause it's magical to them is really what fuels me. Um, so yes, I do have guests we'll call them, um, that come to the game with me, but I also like my brother will come with me. Uh, my best friend Marcus will come with me. My sister comes sometimes um, or to be able to share it with like kind of random people, not girls, like put that aside for a second, just to be able to bring people and have them be able to experience that is completely magical because it's magical to them. It is the best part of all of this for me. 
So I get there like two hours before usually go, go in what's now called the patio, um, the VIP room or one of the, the rooms and get something to eat, kind of talk to people, see who's in there. Um, and then I usually will have a conversation with Rob. Rob will usually come in there um, and he and I will will talk um, about whatever's going on. And then uh, I like to come out before before tip off. You know, we'll eat and there can be beverages if you happen to be uh, if you happen to be drinking that day, which <laughs> I used to now much less so. But um, then I'll come out and uh, say what's up to you guys. Usually I'll do a little pregame stuff where I kind of just go and watch um, our guys. What's what's happening on the floor? Who's working with who? What are they working on? Just to kind of have a general sense of it. Um, Make I'll say what's up to you. <laughs> Yeah, I give JP a bunch of shit. Uh, <laughs> I give JP shit for being the the worst, uh, having the worst field goal percentage defense <laughs> in the league. Uh, and he says he's just building confidence. That's what he's doing. Um, actually, that's you know a, what? That's, that's a funny that's story. John, John Pastoric. This, yeah, yeah. So here's another funny story. Actually, this I can tell. I was what it was a road game. I was watching, and there was something about a challenge that I didn't like because I thought it was the wrong time to use a challenge. I think it was Thomas Bryant had gotten called for a foul. And so I, I put on Twitter, like, you know, I think Lakers will probably win this challenge because I don't know that it's a foul, but I disagreed with the the usage of it, right? And send it out on Twitter, like, it wasn't a big deal. I don't have much of a Twitter following. Who cares? I get a text later that night with my tweet that says, respectfully, fuck off. <laughs> and it's from, it's from JP. And he says, I'm in charge of the challenges, which I had no idea. I didn't know. And he was like, and I'm eight and one on the year or something like that. This was earlier this year. So now he and I have a thing where if there's a play to challenge or that gets challenged, maybe get challenged. I send him a text during the game. Like who gives a fuck what I think about a challenge, but like, I just tell him, Oh, you should have challenged this one or glad you didn't challenge this one. Or Hey, challenge this one. I think you're going to win it. Like, and he's not going to see it till after the game. So Hmm. we have a, a thing about that. So I give before the game, I give JP a bunch of shit, um, watch kind of warm ups, go back, have some more food if I want, have a couple beverages um, and see who's around, hang out some. And then um, my favorite, for whatever reason, it's kind of my thing. My favorite part is it's called, you know, the the white. Well, this is going to sound bad. The white sheet that comes down sounds very KKK, but that's not what I mean. So in pregame, uh, there is a sheet that comes down from the from the scoreboard that they mm-hmm. they project stuff on. And it's called a kabuki. I learned that it's called a kabuki. So did not know that. Yeah, it's called a kabuki. So I, for whatever reason, it's kind of become my thing is I stand in front of my seats, like basically on the court and film the kabuki. I don't know why I like it. I just do. And then just directly after that, the Lakers do their introductions. So I take, I film that. I don't know why I film that. That's always in black and white for some reason. I don't know. Um, but I'm really into that part of it. And then um, once the game starts, I go back to my seat and pay attention and kind of take notes sometimes and focus on whatever else I'm focused on, walk around, make sure everybody's having a good time because that's really important to me. That's what when you see me doing (laughs) whatever it is I'm doing. But I also for home games, for me, it's more of kind of like an overall feeling kind of an overall like overview of, of what's going on, because there's lots of stuff on TV that you can't see, right? I want to see how people are interacting with each other. Look, I'm walking around a lot. There were times in the past where I would consume lots of Hennessy. 
Um, so it's more for me at home games, not anymore for me at home games. It was, and it still is. It's more about kind of the stuff you can't see on TV and getting like an overall feeling of stuff. And then I'll go back and watch. I record all the home games and go back and watch them for the basketball. You know, we take some pictures, whoever's with me or whoever I know or see there, you know, we'll take some pictures on the court after the game because I want to make sure that everybody has a memorable experience. I go home. Now I'm driving to games. I haven't before a couple months ago. I didn't drive to a game in like three or four years, but now I drive to the game. So I go smart smart decision. We've made we've made some lifestyle changes. Um, so now so now I go, you know, and, and, and drive home or drive to wherever else I'm, I'm find myself that evening. I'm, I'm lucky enough that home games are generally like a fun experience. And it yes, I'm working, but it's not so specifically work. And to be able to share that is is magical. For the majority of people who have not been able to step foot inside the patio, could you paint? the scene of, of what the, I mean, I've been in there a few times and yeah. you know, you look to the left, it's genie bus. You look to the right, it's bad bunny. You, you know, you look around, you see agents, you see other yeah. celebrities and actors and um, just what, what's everyone's mingling, drinking, having fun. Like uh, what, what, what's the, the patio like? So the patio is, the patio is great. Um, and look, it's just like, Again, it, it's just like good luck and timing. So to be able to do that is so much fun. Basically, it is, I call it the best party in LA, but it's basically a place where people can go and meet and hang out, have dinner, um, have drinks if you're so inclined before the game, um, and then at halftime also. So it's, yeah, every game, it, it kind of switches with the aesthetic of it, what it looks like switches um, every game. And it's just the place where we all kind of hang out before the game and, at halftime and have fun and enjoy the enjoy the scene but i i call it i call it the best party in la because it is the best party in la at least it's the best one i've ever been to um but it gets you know it gets it gets cracking pretty good like later in pregame and then halftime is usually pretty nuts but before the game like earlier before the game which is i said i get there two hours before the game it's kind of quiet and it's a place that we can use as or not we can use but a place that gets used as you know, like a meeting place. Um, as I said, like often I'll, I'll talk to Rob in there because nobody's in there. Um, and he and I will just, you know, kind of BS talk hoops and just, just say what's going on with the team. Um, um, but yeah, it's just, it's the place where we congregate and hang out and have dinner and, um, have some fun before the game and, and then at halftime. So you mentioned talking with Rob and mm-hmm. obviously you're close with Jeannie. If if fans don't like a move, can they point the finger at you? Can well, they certainly do. <laughs> my, with, my, with my paltry following, uh, they certainly do. Um, you know, you know when that started actually um, was like I don't really do anything. I just when somebody asks me a basketball question, I give my opinion. I give my advice. Like no, I don't actually do anything. Um, but do you remember the Darren Collison? Yeah, I think this was you were on the beat there. Do you remember the Darren Collison? Um, yeah. yeah. So he came to a the, game. The fling with Darren Collison. <clears throat> yeah. So he came to a game. Um, and um, they were talking. Uh, him, his agent, uh, Rob, Jeannie. I think Kurt was in there. Um, 
before before a game, that game where everybody saw him. Uh, he was he he came to the game, and so we didn't go in the patio then. Like I was going to go in, and I saw they were having a meeting, and I just didn't. Right. So uh, there's a picture that somebody took from outside the patio, inside the patio, like of them meeting that started going around and uh, somebody tag a bunch of people started texting me because it was on Twitter and like, Oh, did you know about this? Or do you know this or whatever? And obviously I saw it, but I'm not saying anything. Right. And um, we come out at, I, I'm sitting in my seats and he comes out uh, for the third quarter. I think Darren does. So now people, everybody noticed, right? I think they showed him on the TV broadcast. Now everybody knows he's there when it became a thing for me. So there's pictures taken and fine. When it became a thing for me is McMiniman took a picture from his seat where you guys sit, which is, I don't know, 40 feet from where I sit, right? So he, he takes a picture that has me in it, that has Darren in it, that has a bunch of people in it, but I'm in the picture. And so it becomes a story. So McMiniman does a stand-up uh, for SportsCenter after that, and they use his picture. Like, so now everybody sees me on TV, and now it's a big thing. And it's on Twitter, but he didn't tag me. So people that know me can see me in the picture. And uh, Pete, Pete Zayas, Coach Pete, Laker Film Room, tags me in the picture and says, <laughs> oh, if you ever if you ever wondered, like, if if at Aaron Larsoul is on the inside, like, here you go. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Now we got now this is like so now now my it, it wasn't the way you imagined getting outed. No. Now my mentions are a disaster. Right. Everybody's like. Well, tell him after he didn't sign, oh, it's your fault. And tell him uh, that Darren owes owes you whatever for the seats or he owes you for this much for the for the dinner or whatever. I'm like, just leave me out of it. So since then, um, yeah, people do. Uh, I do hear about it when people don't like uh, moves or don't like non moves or want something to happen. I, I I definitely hear about it on on Twitter, like tell whoever to do this or why did you do this or so yeah now it's a thing unfortunately <laughs> but i have no power <laughs> lakers nation lakers fans i have no power i don't do or not do anything i make no decisions i give my opinion when i ask but i make no decisions looking back on your career what is one piece of advice for someone who wants to follow in your footsteps and oh, um <laughs> don't uh, aside from the luck because you, you talked about the luck and, yeah, and obviously yeah, that yeah, plays yeah. A, a big part of it but you know i, I think you're, so, you're selling yourself short yeah so people say all the time um that like be, and again right like if we're really if i'm really being honest here my life looks a lot better than it is like it looks much cooler than it actually is right i tend towards darkness um but it i i admit that it looks very cool and so what I tell people, there's a, I don't like g Easy, but I do like him in like when he's featured on another song, like I don't, I don't know that he can carry a whole song, but when he has a verse here or there. And so in one of the songs that he's featured on, I think it's just a feature. Um, he says like, th there's a line about people wanting to d be him or, you know, want to do what he does. And he says, be careful. This is not for everyone. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the reality. But um, if you want to be me, I don't know why you would want to be me because you shouldn't want to be me. Um, I did say like a lot of it is luck, right? It's luck and it's timing. And I mentioned that it's all relationships, right? It's all every business is a relationship business. Um, agents and GMs, 
that like who gets signed, who gets called up from the G League. That's about relationships. Trades is relationships. You know, you have a rela- a better relationship with some of the players versus, you know, some of the other guys. You'll be able to get better quotes and more from them, right? It's all relationships. So th- that's what is going to give you a chance. But even with the luck and the timing and, and the relationship building and do that authentically, it can't be transactional. You have to really do that authentically. That's what's going to get you the chance. But you have to do the work to at least be competent, to be good, um, to take advantage of the chance once you get the chance from the relationships. So like do the work, um, make sure that you have something that isn't easily replaceable, um, kind of a niche or something that you are known for that you are good at and build your relationships authentically, not transactionally, build your relationships however you can so that once you get that opportunity from the relationships, you can take advantage of it. But honestly, like 90% of it is relationships and luck and timing. That's what that's what separates me, I guess. There are a thousand people that could do what I do. Better than me, maybe, I don't know. But they didn't get the chance. And the reason I got the chance is mostly luck. I wish I had like a better, a better like I mean, but that, roadmap, it, but that's the truth. It's the truth. Like yeah, it, the truth it, is I'm luck lucky. plays in yeah, you know, luck's played into my career. Like yeah, yeah. I think anyone as you work your way up, like luck is always an element. Uh, but I, I think, look, like your your IG bio says it. Uh, what have you done for someone else today? What have and you done? For I, I think that's someone else today. That is what's that is what is important. That that's your credo, and and I, I think that's what's helped you advance throughout your journey. Uh, As always, the question remains: What have you done for someone else today? What is Aaron doing in twenty twenty six? Am I going to be alive in 2020? What year is it? 2023. Um, Three more years. Yeah. I, I'm i so lucky to get to do what I do um, and get to kind of not have, a, not have a real job. I've started All Access Lakers. I work on some other stuff. So hopefully just the growth of, of the stuff that I'm doing and hopefully I'm still with the Lakers growing that. The, the official Lakers podcast is back and we're, we're building that with, with True. Um, and helping however I can to get another ring, uh, internally and like more importantly than all of that is to me, at least more important than all of that is hopefully I make uh, a positive impact on someone's life. And if it's just one person, that's okay. And I'm very lucky that I get to use basketball and the Lakers as a vehicle to do that. So Hopefully, hopefully touching some lives that sounded creepy, hopefully impacting some lives positively um, with the Lakers, through the Lakers, growing, you know, all my little entrepreneurial stuff that is basically all based around basketball. Some some of my food stuff, too, but basically all based around basketball. And hopefully uh, it it ends at some point with with the Lakers having one more than uh, one more than the Celtics. and my si- my sister, my niece, uh, I have a seven-year-old niece. Actually, she'll be eight. I don't know what today is, but on the 27th, she'll be eight. And as she will tell you, uh, the 2020 championship ring belongs to her. So I don't have any kids. I think it's probably unlikely at this point because I'm old. It's probably <laughs> unlikely. Uh, is it? Uh, oh, boy. Uh, it's probably unlikely. So that ring belongs to her, right? Uh, that's kind of part of my legacy um, is is her. 
having a championship ring. And she's she's a little spicy little seven year old and she will tell you it's her ring. Um, so hopefully one more so that uh, my nephew, Theo, who will be five in April, uh, we need to get him one. So and then you got to get got to get a third one for yourself. Nah. Well, I mean, no. sure. Sounds good. <laughs> That's what I say. I'm like, hey, I, mean, I guess I do need one. I need to keep one. Um, so hopefully another ring uh, in, in, in the next three years and hopefully impacting some people's lives and, and using basketball and, and the Lakers to, to do that and keep doing what I'm doing and, and, and growing it. Where can people find you and anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Where can people find me? Uh, you know what I always say? I ain't tough find to him find. in the patio. <laughs> yeah, you can find me in the patio. And you can find me at games. And and people come up and say hi to me at games all the time. And I love it. I think it's like, and people want to take pictures with me, which is weird. I don't get it. But it, but like, I'm happy to do it. It just feels weird to me because I don't understand why anybody would want to. Um, but come up to me, say hi to game. Uh, and uh, you can hit me on 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 Instagram or Twitter. It's creatively enough. It is my name uh, at Aaron Larsoul, two A's and L A R S U E L. Um, and if you're coming to a game, if you're coming to a Lakers game, we don't. I think it's four. It's only four left. I think. But send me a DM, send me a message uh, on on Twitter or Instagram, and you know, come say hi and uh, join the streams. You've been kind enough to to come hang out a couple times and we've had fun. Um, it's yeah. All Access Lakers. So playback.tv slash All Access Lakers. We do uh, game streams and conversations and hang out, talk, talk Lakers. So all uh, playback.tv slash All Access Lakers or at Aaron Larsoul on all the platforms that I don't use. You have to teach me TikTok. You're still supposed to teach me TikTok. I will. Because I'm bad at social media. Uh, uh... I'm bad at social media. I'm bad at it. <laughs> okay. No, I don't know. About I, okay. That. <laughs> okay. I use. I. Uh, how am I gonna put you, know, this? you know how to use DMs. <clears throat> I do. I, I do. There I am go. bad at social media for like the 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 powers of good. Let's say okay. that. Like for brand building, I'm bad at it. That's yeah, what like I need. The force. You got. You got to use the force positively. I'll try. I love. Are you a Star Wars guy? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, I love Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars guy. Uh, well, th- this was great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I-, I know you couldn't oh, share God. everything, but uh, <laughs> but no, I- I'm sure that this is this is an amazing episode, and uh, that this was great. I appreciate you, brother. Anytime.